know if you want to just hop right into it. I mean, you asked me how I felt, if I felt nervous going into game seven. Well, first off, let's let's take a step back to game six. Um, I'm sure for the listeners jumping in right now, we're obviously talking about the series that everyone's been talking about, um, the Heat Celtics series. Um, yeah, game, like game six, I thought for sure we were going to win. Like we were back home. I was very excited for that game. I was like, man, like the way we lost game five, there's no way we're not going to come back and respond in game six on our home floor, our, our role players. I mean, I'll get into them a little later, but man, our role players are playing like they're the greatest role players in the league, (laughs) Um, you know, especially under the circumstances, but you know, no one could have predicted that Bam and Jimmy would play so poorly for like the last two two-ish games of the series, not counting game seven, but uh, for game five and six, even a little bit of four, um, actually a lot of four, (laughs) um, you know, no one could have expected that to happen. But yeah, going into game six, I was like, man, we're going to get this locked up. And then, you know, I'm watching the game, we get to the fourth quarter, and I'm just like, damn, bro, like, we're really about to lose. We're like down like 10 at some point in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, I'm just sitting there. I wasn't, I didn't speak the entire fourth quarter, mind <laughs> you. My girlfriend could attest to that. I didn't speak <laughs> for the entire fourth quarter. She was like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, look at the score. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we are like, we're, we're about to let this happen. So it was me kind of like, I wasn't mad at really anything else besides the fact that I was really just trying to, um, stomach the fact that we're really about to let them come back from 3-0 and then all of a sudden you know Duncan makes a bunch of tough shots and threes and um Gabe Benson is helping out um and then all of a sudden we're up by like one so then as soon as that happens I'm lit because I didn't speak the whole fourth (laughs) and then of course the play that we all know happened and uh with Derek White as soon as it happened, I didn't get excited. I wasn't like one of those videos that you see people going crazy because <laughs> we finally TV. made it to the championship. I didn't break my TV, no. no. <laughs> um, I just kind of like sat there, wait, and I waited for the official review because I watched enough basketball to not get ahead of myself. <laughs> and of, of course, I, 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 I guessed correctly, and they won, Boston won the game. So going into game seven, yet to answer your question, I was extremely nervous because I was like, fam, we're – I was just like everyone else. I'm not going to sit here and act like this big Heat fan. Like, I thought we were toast. However, anyone that asked me before the game, like, what I felt, I was like, I feel like we're going to lose. However, if there's one team that's going to get an unconventional win on game seven, it's this team. Okay. So – I don't know. What what was your take of this whole, just the whole wrap up of this Celtics heat drama, like literally a drama. Yeah. literally Assault like up and down the whole time. We thought like like a soap opera. Yeah, for real. They were going to get swept. 
then you're like, oh, look, they'll win a couple. Oh, that's good. Like, we get a little bit more basketball. And then once they tied it 3-3, and after losing like that, I was like, there's no way they could win. After yeah. Losing, like, usually after, like, a, a hard loss like that, usually teams are just, like, I'm not, like, sad. But they roll like, over. Like, they're, yeah, like, done. Like, yeah. yeah. And especially being away, I was like, yeah, they're done. I was like, damn, the Celtics are going to come back. Like, I only wanted to see them in the finals. But then to lose the way they did was insane. Like, I thought that game yeah. was going to be close. Like, even though Tatum uh, injured or whatever, he rolled his ankle, he still played 42 minutes. And literally no one on the Celtics played well. So that was really surprising and, like, kind of alarming. So I thought that game was supposed to be a lot better than what it was. Yeah, I agree. Well, why did you put the air quotes for, for Jason Tatum rolling his ankle? It's like, I don't know, some people are like, yeah, he lost because of that. And it's like, mm. he rolled it. He was still able to play. Like, he was hobbled. But, like, you can't blame the entire game on that. Yeah, I saw a lot of people talking about the distinction between hurt and injured. Like, that yeah. came up. And... um I don't know. See, at the same time, although I'm super happy my team ended up winning, um, you know, seeing Tatum literally in the first possession of the game get hurt within 20 seconds, and um, I don't know. I I, I have an interesting take on that just because I don't I don't I think the dude was like severely like hurt like there, there's a difference there is a difference between hurt and injured but he was teetering towards injured <laughs> like you know what I mean like he may not have been fully injured because if you're in, like people are starting to use that distinction as if oh if you're injured that means you just fully can't play that's not true yeah. like in basketball yeah. You can play no matter what, really. Like, as long as you can have a yeah. slow jog, you yeah. can play. Like, he was able to still make standstill threes. He probably made, I think, just one three after the injury. But, all right, yeah, you know, like, he he's still able to play. But I'm teetering towards him. He was injured. Like, the way he was playing, historically how he plays in closeout games as well, I, like, everyone was expecting him to rise to the occasion. Now it sucks for him because now the narrative is even worse on him now um, on being this inconsistent superstar. Right. Um, But but I just don't think it's fair. Yeah. That's like, I'm not going to hold it against him or the Celtics because Mm -hmm. of the injury, but it's more alarming that no one else stepped up after he rolled his ankle. It was just like, Oh, he got it. We're done. And like, um, there was a couple of plays where I was like, he missed the layup. I think they were down like six or eight. He misses a wide open layup. Like like small stuff like that. I was like, I know like your ankles hurt, but like you can make like oh, it's like a plays you should be making kind of too. Like open shots or whatever, because obviously yeah. like in your ankles to shoot. But like layups and that type of stuff is more like focused than I think being like oh I'm injured. Yeah, but at the same time too, like. When you have an injury like that, when you it's your ankle, you're yeah. thinking about it. And then, yeah. like, when you're mentally off, things like that happen. True. Like, 
time and time again as a player, like I, I, I remember when I would go through dry spells as a player and there would be times where, you know, once it collectively builds, mm-hmm. when you have this dry spell, maybe it's not even a collective like span of games, but maybe it's even within the game. You go through a, a rough patch. You've missed like yeah. three sh- shots straight. Now, all of a sudden, you're overthinking that easy layup on a fast break. You're overthinking. Like, yeah, shoot, look at LeBron when he was yeah, having yeah. a rough patch, and then he tried to do that reverse dunk that he he's done routinely in twenty for 20 years, maybe even longer than that, <laughs> dating back to high school. And he just it, it just falls out of his hand. Because mm-hmm. at that point, like, even the greats, like, I know it, like, it has to creep into their head a little bit when they're struggling, you know. And, and Tatum, you know, he started turning it on a little, like, a, for, for a good part of the series um, when they started marching back. But he wasn't playing, like, outstanding basketball like that. Yeah. He maybe had, like, two games where he was really, like, elite. But then other than that, he, he was kind of just cruising through pretty much playing average for him. Yeah, you know, like he wasn't playing outstanding. Yeah, if it wasn't for that 50-point game seven game, people would say, like, what happened to him? Like, this this isn't, like, the Jason team that we're used to. Right. Yeah. Um. I also wanted to bring up the fact that, like, so people <laughs> – so this is, like – directly to some of my friends and people that like were talking to me about the the heat you know beforehand and whatever it's just interesting how people view heat culture right it's something that's been talked about a ton in the last like I don't know maybe three seasons Mm -hmm. um and it's just so funny because like Jimmy like embodies it so much that like he's like the physical being of heat culture like literally like the way he talks the way he just walks the way he moves like it's heat culture through and through right so people don't like him because of the way he talks like I thought it was pretty funny I had a conversation over the weekend and you know someone was like I don't like how um Jimmy talks in his press conferences because every game after they lose he was like, we're going to win the next one. We're going to win the next one. We're going to win the next one. And people were starting not to like it. Not only the person I was talking to, but other people, like, I was seeing on just social media. Like, they were, people weren't liking the way he was talking. They're like, yo, here we go, Jimmy. Like, every time you say that, you lose. Like, but I'm like, again, everyone just does, like, they forget. They don't put themselves in the perspective of a player. Like, yeah. when you're struggling the way he was, it goes back to what we were just saying before. Like, you got to find ways to motivate yourself. We heard it from the greats all the time. Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan used to play tricks on his own mind to just do Like, there's a reason why he's just like, we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. Because literally, he's the type of dude that tries to speak things into existence. Like, if he, you could tell he firmly believes that the energy he puts out is what he's going to receive back. So when he says we're going to win, like he genuinely like is trying to believe that and wants to believe that and probably does believe it. So he can like, so his brain can tell the rest of his body to perform. Right. And um, it's, it goes to the same thing when he was um, a year ago. And, you know, I was always talking about like ever since this, ever since we beat the Knicks and I realized we had a chance of playing Boston. 
I was like, we won Boston. <laughs> I was saying, I was like, we won Boston <laughs> because we need get back from last season. And I knew this team wanted that that revenge. Oh, it wouldn't have been as satisfied. Like, we wouldn't have been as satisfied with being the Sixers. We wanted Boston. We wanted to overcome that from last year with how painful it was to lose last year. And then now everyone's seeing that great interview from Jimmy, again, speaking things into existence, saying, we're going to be right back here next year in the exact same situation, and we're going to come out on top. And, again, and then he did the same thing literally – I remember at the beginning of this season, back in like October, mm-hmm. they asked them, what's the goal for this team? NBA championship. That was what Jimmy responded with. You see what I'm saying? Like, if you're really watching this team and watching Jimmy Butler, this is not a shock that he's doing this every time. So like yeah. when I hear people say this to me, I just laugh because I'm like, bro, he's been doing this for his entire career, really. Like, yeah. Maybe it was more so when he got to, like, Philly, and then it's really taken off when he got to Miami. But, like, yeah, this is just him. Dude, I like the fact that, like, after – especially after, was it, game four, he was like, yeah, we're going to go back. We're going to, like, drink some beer. We're going <laughs> to listen to music. Like, we'll chill. Yeah, that usually, was crazy. Usually all these guys are like, oh, I'm going to watch film, man. Uh, like, freak out. Right. Like, so, Loki, like, freaking out. He's like, oh, like – Oh, like, uh, uh, I don't know what to do. Like, we'll do something. We'll change the game plan. But him, he was just like, yeah, we'll next one. It'll be good. Yeah. A lot of players are kind of, like, scared to say that or scared to be like, oh, if I'm not doing something basketball-related in the playoffs, then I don't know people are going to look at me weird. He's just like, yeah. when I'm doing basketball, I'm doing basketball. When I'm home, I got to think about something else. And, like, for him, obviously, he's been working. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think um, you also have to respect the fact of someone putting themselves out there and not being scared of what the results will yeah. be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he's going out there and just putting himself out there. He's just like, look, like, this is what our goals are for us. Mm-hmm. And it may sound crazy to y'all, but it isn't to everyone in this locker room. That's a great leader. You know it. what I mean? Like, it. that's what I mean. Like, he... He's a great leader, man. And honestly, like, Jimmy has won me over. You know, obviously, it took some Herculean efforts in this playoff run. Um, But, you know, he got it back in 2020 when he took us to the finals, you know, back then. But I wasn't really sold on this Jimmy thing. You know, it's tough as a Heat fan when you had Dwayne Wade for his entire career, essentially. And um, then he leaves. And then all of a sudden, this new guy comes in and he's supposed to be the guy. So then I'm, like, hypercritical to everything Jimmy does. I'm like, ah, see, like, D-Wade, like, we, we missing D-Wade. He would have done this, that, and that. Like, I miss when – because you, you, you start to miss when you would watch that, that star player of your team just, like, take over, yeah. right? And Jimmy wasn't really doing that, and he didn't show that he was, like, that guy to do that until the bubble. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I was like, ooh, okay. Something like – yeah, there's something here. And then and then we did it again last season. And then and then that's when I was really like, okay, like he's 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 that guy for us. And you know, this year went how it well, how it was going. So um yeah, and then you know, again, it's like everyone from top to bottom in the organization is just like on this 
wave of speaking into existence, right? Like even Spolstra starting to do it in his in the conferences, like game seven, right before the uh right before game seven, he was like, you know, we're gonna win. We're we're gonna go in there and find a way to win. Like that's what we're gonna do. Like uh, point boy period. You know what I mean? Like I love that. Apparently <laughs> they bought tickets straight from Boston to go to Denver. So that, yeah. that was pretty cool. Yeah. So I like, so don't believe it's never gonna happen. Yeah, see that that I I didn't think about it, but I was listening to JJ Reddick's pod, and um, he had Duncan Robinson on, and Duncan was like, "I don't understand why that was such big news because that's literally protocol," <laughs> and I never thought about that. <laughs> case, but it yeah. was a game seven. <laughs> you have two days after this to prepare for the finals, yeah. like. Yeah, they Denver probably had a flight book too. Like, it's literally protocol. So, like, yeah, I, th- I I thought about that. I was like, okay, like maybe that was just blown out of proportion. That's how the media does, man. Like, the media can spin things and make it sound so much crazier than what it is. But the players are just sitting there, like, dude, that's normal. Like, what are you guys talking about? Because, like, to a normal person, it's like those small things you don't think about unless, like, you're the one like actually doing it. Yeah. Like, for us, like, we don't realize they're going on a plane, going back and forth across the country every couple of days. For us, we're just like, oh, yeah, the game's, like, tomorrow. Like, I wish it was today. Right. Like, yeah. I wish so, it was, like, right now. <laughs> you're right. They're they're thinking about it completely differently than we are. And, I mean, they, they're the ones that are going through it, right? So they, they know yeah. what, like, the standards are. And we obviously do not. <laughs> As yeah, a, just us, close. a collective, none of us knew that that, like, because when someone, when I, when I saw the news, uh, it was sent to me, and they were like, oh, wow, they're crazy for this. Like, someone sent this to me. And I was like, I mean, at the time, I was just like, again, I went back to the Jimmy point. I was like, you got to find motivation somewhere. Like, yeah. it's kind of one of those things is like, you know, when uh, LeBron or someone, like, tells them when they're going for an away game, for a closeout game, they're like, don't bring another set of clothes because <laughs> we ain't coming back or, type, yeah. you know, something like, like that. Stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing. So I was just like, whatever. Like, it's not that big. I didn't even think it was a big deal. But when I heard JJ Reddick and Duncan talk about it, I was like, oh, like now we're all just we just all look like idiots. Like, why did we care? Um. So I want to ask you though. So we talked about Boston last time, and the last time we talked, uh, it was three one. Like, you know, like <laughs> we we still had this series was so long. Like, let's talk about that too. Like. Coming back from a 3-0 deficit, like, you got to give credit where credit is due. Boston, the fact that they were even able to pull that off. First off, they shouldn't have been down like the way they were. However, like, like, that was a long series, dude. And, like, we thought we were going to have, like, 10 days without basketball. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, crazy comeback. But it was, like, that was, like, them the entire playoffs. When they were on, they were, like, almost unbeatable. But they were so up and down that each game you had no clue what, what was going to happen. Like, you saw, like, perfectly in, like, the, the Hawks series. The Hawks shouldn't have made it to a game six. And they were pretty close to a game seven, too. That series should have been only, like, five games at the most. So, like, I don't know. Like, crazy. Like, really sad that – because, obviously, the Celtics have more talent. But – it was pretty sad to see, like, them kind of, like, crumble themselves and, like, kind of, like, take themselves out of it, bring them all the way back, and then lose at the end and, like, not even make it close. 
Like that last game, no one, it looked like no one really wanted to be there, which is crazy because you're so close to NBA finals and I don't know, they just need better leadership, I guess, or need something. Well, here's the thing, right? Like as soon as Tatum went down, like, like deflated everything. They realized that it's over. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, 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 and again, like to your point, like, it's crazy to see that no one on the team, Jalen Brown included, who is in a big contract decision like year, um, didn't Terrible. step up. And like the only one that you could say did was Derek White, only because to me, I mean, he was playing pretty well, but he wasn't like throughout the series, but he wasn't playing like he wasn't a scorer. Like he wasn't yeah. looking to be this aggressive scorer like that. He knew his role. But then once he realized that Jalen Brown wasn't picking it up, he started just being like, man, forget this. I'm about to try and get it on my own. Like in the third quarter, he started doing drives and floaters and all this. And I was like, damn, like, like the Celtics really have something with Derek White. Like, let's say that. Like if he keeps riding his wave, uh, you know, because now he's on a high where, you know, after that shot, it, it propelled him to a different status. So, you know, which is crazy to see. Uh, you know, we all knew he was good coming from San Antonio, but now, but you know, before then, before uh, the Celtics, he didn't have a jump shot like this. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a testament to how well he's worked on his game. And, you know, I, I could only have, like, respect for him. Now, obviously, I, I hate the Celtics, so I am so happy we won. Yeah. Um, and I'm just happy to be on the right side of history, man, because – if my team would have been the first ones ever in NBA history to allow a 3-0 comeback, I would have never been able to hear the end of it, man. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I mean, what's next for Boston? Like honestly, like they they cuz it's interesting like at 3-0 before game 4, the worst of the worst was being thrown out there with like we need to get rid of Joe Mazzulla, they need to get rid of uh, Jalen Brown split him up. Tatum Brown, it ain't working. Um, so with the Celtics uh, um, charging back to force a game seven, did that change your mind at all on how the Celtics are constructed and what they should be doing moving forward? Yeah, it definitely changed a lot. Because if they got swept, then I would have said like, I right, trade Jalen Brown, like. I don't know, what else keep, if you're going to get swept that bad, like, you got to do something in that relation. But now that they went, went to game seven, I think now they have a two-year two year gap. Because I think that's the amount of time between you got to pay both of them that huge salary. And I don't know, like, if they don't get it done in those two years, I don't think it's going to be worth paying them all that money because you're not going to be able to surround them. So the next two years, they have to go all out. But within those two years, I don't think Joe Mazzulla should be the coach. Because within all the, what within two years of like so from this from now, upcoming season to yeah, to when to when they pay um, Jason Tatum. When they okay, have so was that twenty twenty five? Yeah. Okay. Jalen Brown's next summer, and he's a summer after that. Because okay. after that, if they're both on the same team, I don't think they really have a shot because. Who like who's gonna be on the team? You're gonna pay all your all your money is gonna to go to both of them. So you literally have to go all out the next two years. 
and from them going up and down the whole whole playoffs, like it has to start from somewhere. And I think that starts from Joe Missoula because like it's not his fault, but when you want to have um, championship aspirations, you can't really have a rookie head coach, and especially right. someone he's not even that old. Like you can unless say, you're LeBron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like in like in NBA history, like Steve Kerr, I think his first year he won the NBA title, but he won NBA championships. He also worked on TV. Like he was able to get that experience with Joe Mazzulla only being 34. I don't think he's been able to see as much as like other guys have in his situation. So I think it'd be good. Maybe like don't obviously you want to keep him in the building. Maybe just put him back to an assistant role for a couple of years so he can learn while they're in this championship window. So I don't know. Cause I like if Doc like I really would like to see like Doc Rivers come back or maybe Monty Williams. But I don't know. We'll see what you think. Um yeah, I think um I think it starts with Missoula. I agree. I, I well to answer the question directly too though that, that I asked. Um I think it does change things for for them pushing it to game 7 which is crazy the power of a sweep man cuz yeah. who if, if 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 they were to have been swept like who knows how this team was going to look next season like yeah. I think they just saved this duo to stick stick together. Yeah, honestly for a little bit more. Yeah, and um so, yeah, I think with them pushing it to game seven, they definitely saved this duo at least for a little bit longer. However, it's interesting because it doesn't seem like the issue is or the power of all of this really is in the hands of the Celtics, really. It's all in the power of Jalen Brown and what he wants to do. Like, if he decides that he doesn't, you know, want to be there, then he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. You know what I mean, and you're, and, and I think they're at the point in in their careers where maybe it's time to look into this. You know, you guys gone to the conference finals four times and lost all of them but one. And uh, granted, they played against LeBron, so that's a little tough. Prime LeBron at that, yeah. but again, you know. You, you, they they just time and time again have come up short. Now they're very young. I mean, what Jalen Brown's twenty six, Tatum's twenty five. Like these are young dudes, man. Like again, we were talking about this before. Every NBA team is looking for a duo like this. Mm-hmm. So you have to really assess if you're the Celtics whether it's worth going through the struggle of trying to find another pairing, a young pairing to go with Jason Tatum. Because, you know, obviously Jalen Brown is the one that's going to be out the door. Um, And the biggest thing too, if if they don't give this extension, they don't want to risk losing him for nothing with him being an unrestricted free agent in 2024. So a move move is going to be made. A big move is going to be made. And that's the thing, too. People are really talking about how the Celtics need to do this and that. They don't have to do something right now. Like, they can wait till the trade deadline to really make a decision on what they're going to do. Um, You know, I think it may be worth looking into Damian Lillard. 
I think it, it it may be time to look at that route. They haven't had a legitimate point guard since IT. You know what yeah. I mean? So, and especially they they were really successful with having a point guard such as him that was a scorer, that was a scoring guard at the point position. So, and they need a killer on their team. So I think Dame could be that piece. However, they should try to find a way to get him without losing Brown. But I don't think that's going to happen with trying to get a trade for Damian Lillard. Like, the the, the Trailblazers is going to ask for everything in the moon because look at what Rudy Gobert just did. It's all going to go, go, go back to Rudy Gobert and how he ruined it for the trades and all those second-round picks and all this BS that they threw uh, their way. Oh, KD? Yeah, even for his trade, the Nets got a lot back. Right. Right, but that started that started uh with, Gobert, with Rudy yeah. Gobert. Mm-hmm. You know, like he he set this new market. And yeah. so everyone could go back to that and be like, they gave all that for that guy? Mm-hmm. Well then now even the players, because look at KD, I always go back to this when he was traded uh from Golden State to Brooklyn. Like he didn't want to be traded for Andrew Wiggins straight up. They had to add pieces. Because he, because as a superstar in himself, he was like, nah, like that's disrespectful. This is reported. This may not be like facts, but I remember hearing that that was the case where he was like, nah, they need to add someone else because I ain't getting traded for him straight up. Just because he's like, I'm KD. Did he get traded? Nah, I think, did he get traded? I thought Wiggins was with the uh, D Load trade. I think. Um, oh, wait, no, 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 no. Well, let's let's go back because maybe I have my facts off. Let's see, trade to the Nets. Um, let's see. Oh wait, this is old. So let's see, because I I thought I was under depression because he did get traded, but I don't remember if. Well, let's not take too much time. Um just for the listeners. But um yeah man, I I just think that for the Celtics situation, they just got to figure something out with Jalen Brown first and foremost. Um I think agree I agree with you that Missoula he needs to go. Like if they don't I give them one season to be honest. I think if they under, cause especially with how the coaches are getting fired left and right in the turnover right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, like you said, like a young coach like that, it's hard to just say we're we're riding or dying with him. Yeah. But um, but look at but look at the finals right now. You got Malone, who's been with the team for eight seasons. Nuggets stuck with him, thick and thin. Losses and all, losses and all. You know what I mean? There's something about stability that kind of helps a team as well. And these, these teams are kind of just throwing away coaches as if they're just like, you know, expendable. Was that? The Celtics have been one of them. Exactly. They've been one of the worst. Worst, And, um, and they probably are the worst, but, um, and then Spolstra being with the heat for 15 seasons now, like there, there's a, there's a, there's something to show for stability and coaches sticking around being allowed to make mistakes. I mean, it's kind of the same thing for like a player, like, you know, a player is going to perform their best 
when they're allowed to make mistakes and, and learn from it and grow from it and become better for it. And if a coach isn't allowed to do that, especially a young one, then how are they going to get any better just by sheer luck of, because we're trending towards these coaches just simply relying on having pure talent on their teams and not being able to develop teams over time. Like the league itself is starting to turn into this microwave cookie cutter thing where teams want their team to be good now. There's no such thing as trust in the process, development. Like that's kind of done. And I don't know where that started or why, but that's what's going on. Yeah, it's like, uh, kind of like some of the some of the coaches that got fired this offseason, it kind of like made no sense. And now, like you were saying, all these other teams are like, all right, if we don't win a championship, it's got to be the coach. Well, that's probably like the complete opposite. Like there was no reason why Monty Williams should have gotten fired. Like, do they really expect to win an NBA championship without having a bench? Like, I don't know. Sometimes. You got to be realistic, and a lot of these teams apparently haven't been realistic at all. So, I don't know. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I want to add, too, um, so I did finally go back. So, we had a, a little jumble, jumbo, jumbled uh, with Kevin Durant in the trade. He was traded for D'Angelo Russell. And I don't know if you said that earlier, but I know you said that because uh, D'Lo and Andrew Wiggins, they you were right. They were traded for each other. But that's what happened. KD was – there was a sign-in trade. D'Lo was headed to Golden State, and I forgot that even happened, <laughs> that he was even there. Um, and that's how Kevin Durant got sent to Brooklyn. However, there was a rumor that KD was like, I ain't getting traded for him straight up. And that makes even more sense. Um, With D'Angelo Russell and KD straight up for a trade, I I completely get it. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's funny. Um, yeah. So let's uh let's pivot here, and um, we'll uh come back to this. So, um, yeah. Let's uh let's pivot here. Um. Let's go over to the college basketball scene um, just for a moment here. We got the Caleb Love situation that you uh, touched on last week. Um, It looks like he made his choice. Yeah, now he's going to Arizona, which I think is a 10 times better situation for him. Because at Michigan, the best player on the team in the center, he transferred to Kansas. So that team really wasn't going to do anything special. Big 10, like, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make the tournament. And if he wastes another year of not getting, like, the notoriety that he should get, he's not going to get drafted. At least now, Arizona's going to be a really good team. Last year, they were, I think, the number one seed, one of them, or maybe, like, one of the better two seeds. And a lot of people thought they were going to win the national championship, even though they got upset first round, but... I don't know, definitely a better situation and getting that notoriety that he should get. Like, if he went to Michigan, they're not really on TV as much. Even though Arizona Arizona's in the Pac-12 late at night, I think eventually once it gets closer to March, people are going to be paying attention to that team a lot more than they would with Michigan. So, I don't know, hopefully he plays well. But 
I don't see what happens. Yeah, I think long term, um, Arizona maybe. I mean, again, I'm not the biggest college basketball guy. However, mm-hmm. um, I agree. Like watching this year, at least towards the tail end, like I did see that Arizona was the higher. Uh, I think they're the higher seed out of between them and Michigan. Um, yeah. But Arizona, like obviously, was a great team uh, this year. Just fell short, but. I think long long term, this may be a better move for him. Just going to Arizona, if they're going to end up being the better team, you want to mm-hmm. stick with the team that's going to make a further push in March, which gives you more TV time, which then gives you more marketing for yourself to get drafted or whatever happens, um, as opposed to Michigan. However, I do think I slightly disagree with you on like Michigan not being like, the great choice. I think only like, I mean, cause I don't think he could have went really wrong with either one just because <clears throat> it depends also what you're going to these schools for. Like a lot of these kids now, like we talk about all the time, they're going for the NIL dollars, man. And what better school than Michigan for that? I mean, there's not that many schools that are that much better at getting their players paid. I would assume than Michigan. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Arizona, too. Like, Arizona, great school, but I I would – I highly doubt that they're going to be able to market their players as well as Michigan can. You know, so I don't know. It kind of depends on what you're going to the school for. Yeah, because the player on Michigan, he transferred to Kansas mostly because he was barely making any NIL money. That's a good point, yep. Oh, uh, but – I don't know how Arizona compares to Michigan. I would think Michigan would make more than Arizona, but I don't know. You never know. Yeah, I, I, I honestly – that's something that maybe uh, on three is able to show us or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's 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 kind of – again, if, if, if he's good, he's going to get Notice. notoriety anywhere, yeah. any, anywhere he goes. So – he, he all he needs to do is ball out. That's really the that's really the frustrating part about college basketball. I think that's the part that makes me not watch it as much, especially anymore. I used to watch it a ton growing up, mm-hmm. but as I got older, I stopped watching it less and less. I started watching it less and less and less because these kids are just like I don't know. There's just something about the fact that they're just bouncing around schools, especially today, but. Like, today, they're treating college basketball. They're treating the NCAA like AAU. And they're just bouncing around. Like, I don't know. There should definitely be, like, a closer deadline. Because, dude, it's almost June. They're like, yeah, I'm transferring. Like, some of these guys, they start workouts. Yeah, they're already in, like, training camps. And, yeah. Yeah, Like, they start stuff in the summer in, like, a couple weeks. Like, how are you going to transfer now? Like, if you want to do it, like, right after the season, you're like, yeah, this definitely isn't, like, the best spot for me, blah, blah. Like, that makes sense in, like, April. But, like, if you have to do all this stuff now, like, I don't know. I think that's a little too much. Yeah, there's not enough dudes that are, like, just thinking of it as, like, like have, like, kind of the Dane Lillard approach where it's, like, I'm going to ball out anywhere and get noticed. You know what I mean? And these guys are all going for the names of the school, or now it's even the money. Yeah. So it's just like, what are we really playing for, man? Like, I think that goes back to our conversation about NIL before where I was saying I'm kind of nervous about what's going on with it because we're starting to lose kids 
just playing for the passion of the game. Now everything's becoming commercialized and everything's becoming um, just straight out of capitalism where it's like, how can I make as much money as possible as opposed to how can I become the best player possible that Mm -hmm. I can be? So I'm kind of, we're starting to see it. Like the transfer portal, people keep asking, why are these kids going to the transfer portal? Because they see the bag. (laughs) They see the bag and it's bigger elsewhere. Or there are some players, and probably the majority, I would say, are transferring now because they think they're going to have a bigger role elsewhere. But they come to find out that they're still not getting a big role elsewhere. So then what do you do? They keep bouncing around trying to find this right situation and trying to find the perfect situation as opposed to just going out there and hooping, bro. Yeah, Work on your guys. game. Like a lot of the young guys aren't used to riding a bench and like never playing and like getting screamed at all, like every time you practice. But now like you kind of have to go through that. You're freshman, sophomore year now. Now you're looking at college as being dudes that are 21, 20, 21, 22, 23, and sometimes even older. Some dudes are like 25 now. And college coaches, I think, are looking more at the transfer guys that are upperclassmen than compared to freshmen, sophomores. And, like, these guys have to know that, like, you got to kind of, like, wait out a little bit. They want dudes that are more mature, bigger, stronger, everything else. And sometimes you just got to wait in that situation and see what happens until you get older. Not everything's going to be handed to you like it like used to be, kind of. You got to develop. And it's like, okay, they think it's all going to be handed to them. And they think, okay, you get a perfect situation in college. Cool. You finally found it. You finally got somewhere that's going to hand it to you. And then I'm guar- I guarantee that 90% of these players, their dreams and aspirations are to go to the NBA, right? Yeah. Yeah. So then, like, what else are you playing for? So, but then all of a sudden you get to the NBA, and now they get to that situation of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're getting yelled at all the time. You're getting robbed by your coach all the time. You're no longer that dude. You're no longer the guy for your team. You're forgotten. You're in the G League at this point, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then and then a lot of guys, it, it's like, okay, what, what do you do next? Are you going to give up? Are you going to fold? Like, I think a lot of times there's probably guys that get in there and that happens. And it's a, and they face reality that like, oh, I have to really work on my game now. I can't just pass on my talent anymore. Yep. You know, yep. like I have to be elite at something. And that's why I always talk about, I'm like, yep. when someone goes to the NBA, they are elite at something. Like maybe it's elite athleticism, elite IQ, elite shot making, elite yep. dribbling, uh, handle, elite rebounding. It could be anything, defense, but you got to work on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not just going to become Steph Curry. You're not just going to become Kevin Durant. You know, those dudes were, like, naturally gifted. However, time and time and time and effort and effort and effort and all of these reps and everything, that's how they became where they are. You know, I'm not trying to say it as if I'm behind closed doors, but they they talk about it. Like, yeah. it's as if they, like, 
ignore the fact that these players are literally giving you the blueprint on what you need to do to get to where they are. And they're like, we worked at it. But these players that are coming up behind them, they're like, eh, I don't really want to work for that. You know what I mean? So then we see a Ben Simmons. So then we see um, uh, 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 even a James Harden. Like, he started being the start of it because he stopped working on it. You know, but, like, like, maybe James is a bad example. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like once you got to, like, the James or the Ben Simmons and the dudes after that, like – they stop really working on their game heavy like that. Like it's, it's interesting to see, man. So, but now with NIL, it's like, I think it's going to get even worse to be honest. Yeah. It's definitely possible, but I don't know. You never know with the NCAA, anything can happen. That's true. But what do you think? What do you think would happen? Like you say anything could happen. Do you have like, like as far as what? So like, dysfunctional and they have no plan that literally whatever like it can turn into one big conference where like the states can get involved or it can turn into just like the schools being like all right do whatever you want pay them whatever or they can turn into or the players can be employees for the school and then that turns that makes everything totally different like who knows, bro? It can go so many different ways that and the NCA kind of seems like they don't want to be involved too, too much. And it seems like that they're not going to be the ones to create a plan. They're just going to wait and wait and wait until some, I don't know, I guess something happens. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, will wait and see. <laughs> we'll <laughs> wait and see because uh, just going back to Kayla Love, you know, it's I, I hate that, again, it goes back to my love of, or my love, but it goes back to my um, kind of disdain for watching college basketball because now I'm seeing dudes, especially today, just bounce around trying to find the perfect situation for themselves as opposed to just just hooping, bro, yeah. just hooping. Um, all right, well, let's get back to the NBA because there's been a lot of stuff just going on. Um, I'll save the Eric Lewis one, because I don't really care about that dude. Um, <laughs> but it looks like uh, Bob Myers has stepped down from the GM role um, with Golden State. Uh, and people are trying to figure out, well, the casuals, casual fans are trying to figure out why this is a big deal. <laughs> and I, I guess for my purposes, it's like to explain that, Let's just put it this way. He individually, like, he crafted a lot of trades and moves and deals that were needed to be done for them to become the dynasty they are today. That's why you see every Golden State Warriors superstar, as in Steph, Draymond, KD even, former Warrior, all come out and give uh uh Bob Myers his flowers <clears throat> because the dude literally orchestrated a lot of what what was going on behind the scenes so you know you just got to you got to tip your hat to him cuz honestly like who knows what's next for him i did see something about him potentially working for ESPN oh, cool. um yeah cuz he had this 
show that he was doing. He interviewed Jay Cole like the other month, and really? it was on ESPN. So Bob Myers has this show on ESPN that's like this web show on YouTube called Lead by Example, and it's with ESPN. So he like he already had that partnership there. So it makes a lot of sense why they're trying to bring him on. And with him having such like a high basketball knowledge, I mean, he could come in and become, who knows, like well, another yeah. Stephen A, depending on what his personality is. I mean, because I don't really know what his personality is like, but that sounds like that's also another reason why these players love him so much. Yeah, I've seen him in a couple of interviews with different players, and oh, he seems mad chill. Like, good for him where he probably made his money, can now make probably the same or more amount of money and not have all the pressure and the stress and all that stuff. Now you can just talk basketball. It's like everyone's doing, dude. Make millions of dollars just talking basketball. But I don't know. A lot of people are saying that they'd be surprised if he wasn't with the team in October too. So I don't know. I was kind of like, I'm not, I wasn't totally surprised. Like, I think he left at a really good time where he's not going to be the one, like, the like in the 90s with, like, the Bulls GM. He turned into the bad guy because he split everyone up and did all that stuff. Now, mm-hmm. he's not going to be the bad guy. He's not going to be the one to trade away Clay or tell Green, Draymond that he can't come back or whatever. Like, <laughs> he did what he did. He won. And now... He can walk away perfectly fine. But I think him leaving is going to cause uh, a lot of big decisions because they already had big decisions, but now I don't think all the emotions going to be in those decisions. And I think the Warriors are going to change a lot by the time next season comes. Who do you think? What's the change? I think Draymond's going to leave. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think like, I think he becomes a Laker. Really? Yeah, I think he, especially if LeBron is still like in it, like his head mm-hmm. is still in it, and still wants to win a championship. I think uh, Draymond joins and and helps out. But uh, yeah, I, I I agree. I think it's interesting you brought up uh, the Bulls GM, like their former GM uh, Jerry Krause was is his name. Um, he passed away in 2017 however i remember watching the last dance documentary and how the players resented him like so much like to the point where they were just always bashing him like whenever they can whenever they seen him they were just disrespecting him um you know because he kept coming out and saying how you know championships aren't just one with the players and you know the whole team like he wanted his credit you know Nothing's more corny than you trying, than you like feeding, feening for credit. For like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like he, he was really trying to go for it. So, you know, and, and you're trying to do that with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen on your team. Like in the nineties, <laughs> good luck trying to get, good luck getting your credit for that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why, you know, Bob Myers has looked at, so highly because he never asked or begged for credit mm-hmm. he just worked behind the scenes did what he needed to do the results showed for themselves he wasn't greedy about it 
Um, yeah, he was really, like you said, he was chill. So, um, but it, it is a big deal that he's leaving because it, it does affect the decision making of the Warriors infrastructure, period. It, and now it leads people to believe that the dynasty is over. So, I don't know if I believe that because as long as Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson are on that team, yeah, I don't think, and Steve Kerr, I don't think that dynasty is going away. Like, because when you're saying the dynasty over, you're saying that Steph winning a championship with the Warriors is done. That's mm-hmm. what they're saying. Mm-hmm. That's not, he's winning at least two more championships, in no. my opinion. I, In my opinion, I think he's going to get at least two more. Because the way the Warriors have always been. Can you say that one more time? They only have maybe like two, three years left. And after that, or even, honestly, maybe even earlier. Because Clay was like up and down. So, I don't know. You're going to eventually have to pull. He's going to be one of the guys that has to be traded. Other than Draymond, then he's next. And, like, who's going to be the one that have to trade him or, like, tell him, like, hey, you're not going to be making a lot of money even though you've been the guy for so long. Like, those decisions are going to be really hard. And, like, I don't know. Like, you're going to have to have a GM or someone there to, like, really make those hard decisions because most of the time players don't, like, really stay with one team their whole career. And I think Steph is the only one a part of that group that's actually going to do it. Yeah. I mean, Steph's 35. So mm-hmm. fair, fair, you know, that's fair. That's a fair assessment of like two to three years left on his career. However, he's a shooter. You yeah, know, yeah, like, a little like bit more. He, he can, can shoot forever. That's what I'm saying. Like we, we see LeBron, you know, and I don't know, man, Steph could play, Steph could hit 20 seasons too, but he really could. And he could maybe even surpass it. So, I mean, obviously LeBron's going to be in his 21st season next year. Um, That's nuts. But Steph, like, Steph, the way he plays and just just how smart he is and the fact he's getting even better. I mean, last season, we could argue that that was some of the best, like, Steph Curry, that might be the best Steph Curry we've seen Mm -hmm. outside of winning in the championship in 2022. But, you know, last season he was playing out of his mind still. Mm -hmm. So he hasn't shown me at all yet that he's he's slowing down. Yeah. Yeah. But he he seems to be ramping up still. Yeah. Plays the one that's like up and down. He'll have a 40 point game and he'll have like an eight point game. Right. It's like, I don't know, eventually that's going to get to you, too. Like, he's still a good player, but, I don't know, especially when the cap gets to be where you're going to have to really watch who you're paying. You can't be paying him a lot of money. There's no way. You're already paying Jordan Poole a lot of money. If he isn't doing what he was doing last year, then you got to even make even more decisions, and it just, like, adds and adds and adds. But yeah, I think they'll still be a really good team. Like, they're just not going to fold. There's no way they're just going to fold. 
I don't think they win with Draymond and Jordan Poole still being on the same team together, though. Yeah, that, that, they gotta yeah. get, yeah, they gotta get those guys separated, <laughs> man. Because yeah, last season it was clear the whole the whole way they were trying their best to be professional, and they were. But yeah, at a certain man. point, that comes to like a certain point, you gotta do something, <laughs> man. Like you really, like, chemistry is like huge, like. You could see like 2015, the, even last year, that the Warriors' entire offense is chemistry. So this year, you can really tell that, like, hey, there's something off here. Like, what is it? And like, that was pretty much it. Yeah. It, it was interesting. Duncan Robinson was talking about connectivity and how the Heat right now are like very connected. Like, you know, they're playing mm-hmm. as one. And. Yeah. They're trusting each other. They have good relationships with each other. And, you know, he was saying, yeah, you can be great at the X's and O's. You can have the most talented team in the world. You can be the best defensive team in the world, whatever. But if you guys genuinely don't like each other, that's going to show on the court. Yeah. And I thought about that because it, it ties in perfectly to what we're talking about now because it's like, the Warriors didn't love each other like they used to. Like, this wasn't one of those Warriors teams that had fun playing with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we're not seeing them celebrate as much. And, you know, we're honestly seeing them more stressed than anything. Yeah. And unhappy. You know, Clay always looks just <laughs> miserable out there. Um, whether it's because of him himself or just whatever, but... You know, they, they just didn't seem like they were happy. Steph's going to be dancing and celebrating no matter what. Uh, Draymond's going to flex no matter what. But then what about the other guys? Like, the bench wasn't really, you know, the Warriors. What is that? I said it's, like, awkward for them, too. Yeah. It's like, the town's just, like, in the middle of it. And it's, like, they're the ones that need that chemistry the most. They're the ones that if someone goes and doubles Steph, then they're going to be the ones that have to take the shot or make a – certain move within the within the play so if they're they're kind of nervous and like oh i don't know what to do and like they're not gonna play well if they don't play well it's gonna go all the way up to death clay whoever whoever right harder so it's like you gotta have that chemistry it's so important in sports there's never really been a championship team where they all hated each other there's no way <laughs> I'm sure we could find someone, but yeah, I mean, maybe I don't know, probably not. But yeah, it's it's uh it's interesting too because like the Nuggets, they're also a team that's just strongly connected, and it's yeah. due to their superstar just being the most unselfish player like ever. You know, he averages a triple double throughout the playoffs and the regular season, and <laughs> that's insane to just say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so looking forward. To these finals, um, you know, I like that. Let's go game by game. Even though by the time we record again, we'll probably be in game four. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, uh, game one, uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna bet against Miami. I'm gonna go against my. I'm gonna go with Miami. I think we take game one. I think we're going to shock them just as much as we're going to shock everyone else Mm -hmm. as far as coming out and 
throwing the first haymaker because because we literally have to. Like, yeah. if we don't steal these first two games, it's going to be very tough. Even if they're coming to Miami, it's going to be very tough for us to beat this team. And, you know, everyone knows it. So, yeah, I think we come out and we're going to have, like, a huge effort. I think our whole team is going to come out there and especially with us playing away. I think we play better away. I think we're going to come out there, even though we only lost what? Well, I mean, we lost those games at home to Boston, but we were undefeated before then at home throughout the playoffs. But I still think that when we're when our backs are against the wall, we play a little better, and I think our backs will be against the wall even in game one. So I think we take the first game. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you, but for a different reason. Because – I think they're going to use the momentum that obviously that they've had, but mm. from a Nugget standpoint, they've had off for like nine or ten days. That so, rest, yeah, I think that's way too long. Plus, since it was three zero, they're like, all right, we got to ramp it up just in case they win, and then they don't, and then they're like a couple of days later, oh, we got to ramp up, and then they don't play again, mm. and then they got to do it again. So I think just like mentally, they're just like, yo, can we? When, when are we going to play? Like, I think like. Ramping up and not ramping up is like, I don't know. I don't know what to call it, but like mentally for this game, they're not going to be in the same position as in, as Miami will be. Cause they're like insanely focused. They're ready to go. They've been going to war pretty much. And the Nuggets have been just kind of not really chilling, but haven't been able to do anything. Yeah. Plus the Lakers series wasn't that grueling or any of their series haven't really been grueling. So that's like another thing too, where if there's a close game, they haven't really been in those situations that much compared to Miami. Yeah, we 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 play well in the close games, that's for sure. When it comes to crunch time, like we're really really good at execution. Um, and I agree with you. I think um, I think it could go either way though. I think it, it, it it's either two things that are going to happen. Either Miami's going to be running in mud in game one because we've only had two days off in between or we're going to come out like a well-oiled machine because we're still in, in grind mode. We haven't taken really much time off. So we're still hooping. Like you were just saying Um, to Denver, I think again, either, either, or it could either, they're going to come out and they ain't going to have their basketball legs because they've been off for so long. You know, they're not practicing hard because this is now finals time. They need to save their legs. Um, but I wonder, like, how are they keeping themselves ramped up, like you were saying before? Like, how are they keeping themselves literally, like, in shape for what's about to, like, go down? Because Miami hasn't taken no time off, and they don't seem like they're stopping anytime soon. So, it'll be interesting. I, I, I definitely agree with you, though. I, I, I think uh, I think it'll be a good series, though. I don't think it's going to be one that everyone ex- is expecting. Um, everyone was expecting it to be a blowout or is expecting it to be a blowout. I have, I have no doubt in my mind that we're going to make this a seven game series, but knowing Miami, they may surprise everyone and do something crazy. So who knows what's going to happen for the first time in more than 13, 15 years, we finally have a finals where like, uh, like anything can happen, like oh I don't know, but it's kind yeah. of fun. Where like once it's like 
all right, every series we're, we've been like, all right, Miami's probably going to lose because they're an eight seed. So every series we're just like, eh, whatever. And for the Nuggets, we're like, oh, every series they always choke. So, eh, whatever. Right. So finally, it's like, what's going to happen? Both these teams have been so underestimated this whole playoffs and almost this entire season. So I don't know who, who knows what's going to happen. And underestimated for two separate reasons, like yeah. polar opposites. Yeah. Like you have one team just because they're the eighth seed and everyone's just like, oh, well, there's no way. Yeah. And then you got the one seed and everyone's like, there's still no way because <laughs> like, it's just so weird that we look at Denver this way. And I think both teams look at each other equally. Like, they look at each other. Like, I don't think that's the problem. I think I think that's what Miami's been really benefiting from with this 8 seed tight, with this tag next to us. People automatically are going to underestimate when they see 8 next yes. to their name. Mm-hmm. Once they saw that, it's hard to take that out of your head. Like, basketball is a very mental game, if people don't understand. So when even just seeing that on paper – the one versus the eight seed, Milwaukee was a victim of it. The two versus the eight seed, Boston was a victim of it. You know, who's to say that Denver ain't going to do the same thing and look at the eight seed and be like, uh, you know, they have to tell themselves that they have, like, because I think they do have this high respect for Miami. But at the same time, I think they just have the high respect for the fact that they got there. But for Miami as a team, I don't know if they look at them and they're like, they can beat us. Like I, I think they look. I think they underestimate us too, and we've been using that to our advantage the entire way. So, like you have ten times more experience. Like even from all the way to the bottom with Udonis Haslam, like the vets is DeAndre Jordan, who's never been to the conference finals. Jeff Green, who's not even playing. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Green. He played. I think he plays like here and there, or probably just in the blowouts. Maybe he was on that Thunder team that made it to the finals, but other than that, hasn't he's been on oh no, he I think he was in the finals with the Cavs. Twenty eighteen. Not like mm-hmm. like he's probably literally the only person to have any knowledge. Him and uh Pope. Other than that, no one's really been in crazy big situations before. So that's gonna be interest interesting to see what happens with that too. Yeah, I want to also, like, just give a quick nod to Kevin Love. He <laughs> was not even a factor mm-hmm. on the court um, in this Boston series. We we started him the first two games, or maybe first three games. I don't remember how it went. That series was so long. <laughs> but we started him and then ended up taking him out of the rotation completely. He didn't even see the court for, like, the last two to three games. And we ended up having Caleb Martin. And I'm tripping. I went all this time, and I didn't even bring up Caleb Martin. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I can't even say enough about him, honestly. I don't even know what to say. Like, it's just like this dude. Almost MVP. I mean, one boat, oh. like, two boats away, yeah. And the, um, But Kevin close? Love, that was very close. But I want a quick point about Kevin Love is that the fact that he was on the bench and this dude just instantly, like, instead of complaining, bitching and whining, he instantly went into leader mode. And he was like, hey, like, this is how, this is what it takes to get there. Like, people forget he also went with LeBron and them to four championships, to four championship runs, you know, trying to compete for a championship. He won one. Like, 
we we just got it, man. So like, gonna it, it's gonna be interesting. Series. I bet you he plays a lot this series. I can see it. Um, I don't know what I think. I really hope that we don't try to overplay our hand and start Caleb again. Like, not right away. Okay. I think we we're a better team, you know, against the Nuggets at least, with him coming off the bench for our second unit, because the Nuggets are deep. And yeah. we need to match death with death. So I think that's why I'd rather him come off the bench, go crazy and do whatever he wants to do there, and allow Gabe and Jimmy and Bam and Max and whoever we end up starting to, like, take over the first shift of the quarter. Because we have to win each quarter. So it'll, it'll be a – it's going to be a great series, man. I'm excited for it. I mean, Bruce Brown is a better matchup to come into the game than, like, say, like, Kevin Love and Bruce, like Bruce Brown. Like, they're not going to be guarding each other. So, like, right sense that way. Because Bruce Brown's a huge part of their offense as well. So, yeah. yeah. Like, that's going to be a really good matchup right there. And then you can put Kevin Love because Nuggets are a little bit bigger. So at least you could put Kevin Love somewhere on the court. You can kind of, like, try – like, him and Aaron Gordon probably isn't the best matchup in the world. Maybe he guards Jokic a little bit. Maybe they have, like, a certain scheme. But they're definitely going to need size. And, too, like, the Heat plays zone a lot. So maybe they might play some zone and be like, hey, Nuggets, let's see if you can make some threes. See, like, see what happens. I don't know. Jokic in the middle of that zone, though. I don't know how much we're going to yeah. really show that. I don't know, man. Because that he's going to destroy that zone. Middle, and yeah, because yeah, all they need to do is get it to him. And but, and that's the key. But the Heat is really good at all different kinds of zones. Matchup zones. Sometimes they, they used to play a 3-2 zone sometimes. <laughs> you never yeah. see that in the NBA. So yeah. maybe they'll come, Spolcher will come up with some crazy idea, or it might be easier if he is in the middle or on an elbow or whatever. Maybe it might be easier to trap him. Maybe you can get one of the guards to come from behind. Maybe they, they see something on film because Jimmy Butler likes to poke it a lot from behind. So maybe they right. see it there. So yeah. you don't really see Spolstra's creativity this this series as well. Yeah, I think him and Mike Malone, those are two great coaches. So I, it's going to be a chess match for sure. This is going to be – oh, it's going to be such a good series. Can't wait for tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, man, I think uh, we left some topics off, but they were kind of boring. <laughs> and, you know, I'm excited for this game. I'm glad we're finally at the point where I can just go a whole episode talking about Miami damn near. Um, this is great. This is great, man. Yeah, dude, I can't wait for tomorrow. I gotta make sure I get all my studying done so I can actually watch the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah bro, get that studying time in. But until next time, y'all, we'll uh, be back uh, next week with another episode of Ball is Law.